Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British Royal history. Hello, friends, and happy Friday, or happy whatever day it is that you're listening to this. October was a lot of fun here at the podcast, and it seemed to be well-received by all of you, so in the future, we'll continue to explore some of the more creepy sides of royal history, the sides that they don't necessarily like you to know or talk about. Uh, such as the mystery of the princes in the tower, as we had discussed, they won't let any DNA testing be done. But that was so much fun. And also, while we didn't have a formal podcast episode last week, the official podcast trailer did drop. It was something that I had been putting off for a while, just not out of, I don't want to do it, just out of sheer forgetfulness. Those of you that have been in grad school know sometimes you forget things. (laughs) But official trailers launched, so that way more people can hear the show. And also, as I said, in 2022, for those that haven't listened to the trailer, a lot of changes are coming to the podcast. The uh, podcast brand as itself is going to be moving over to more digital content. There's a YouTube page I'm currently working on and getting uh, video topic ideas and not only posting separate content, but video podcasts as well. So if that excites you keep your eyes and ears out on twitter as i update all of you as best i can so we've taken a month off from royal news we took all of october off because we had spooky stuff to talk about and this is something that now that royal work is reopening now and uh, more things are happening this is going to be something that we're going to do about on a monthly basis just highlights of what's happening current things that are going on in the royal family because there's a lot that's been going on and either you've seen it and heard it or you've missed it and some of these stories i actually flew so quickly on my timelines that some of them i actually missed and some of them are pretty important but royal news royal update buckle in we have a lot to cover there's so much that's been happening in the royal family not only this past month but even this past week So as I had hinted at before, which is 
something that makes royal news a little difficult. Engagements are happening now more frequently and more regularly. These aren't necessarily virtual anymore. They're now in person. Their royal highnesses, the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall, their royal highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, have been out and seen a lot doing engagements. Her Majesty the Queen is just now doing virtual engagements. She's not really going out in person too much anymore, especially with something we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But if you want to see more regular engagement interaction and those type of news, head on over to Twitter. That's where a lot of that type of posting that's happened. But not only are Prince Charles, Camilla, Prince William, and Catherine really getting back into work, but also their Royal Highnesses, the Erling Countess of Wessex, and Her Royal Highness, the Princess Royal, they're all, the, the firm is out in full swing doing engagements And, of course, Prince Charles and Prince William are trying to do more, and uh, Princess Anne and Prince Edward and Sophie are still doing stuff, but predominantly right now, it's just those five. The Queen with Prince Charles, Camilla, Prince William, and Catherine. Those are the five that we're really seeing right now. But, of course, the Earl and Countess of Wessex and the Princess Royal are the quiet workhorses. They don't necessarily get a lot of recognition, but they work really hard with their engagements and the work that they do in the firm. So if you want to see more uh, as they're happening engagements and that type of news, head on over to the official uh, podcast Twitter at fanatic underscore royal, or just search the British Royal Fanatic Podcast, and you'll find it, and you'll get to see a lot of those updates. But the big takeaway from that little diatribe is that royal work has resumed, in-person stuff's happening, but the only person doing virtual events now is uh, the Queen, but some of that sometimes virtual engagements do happen with everybody else, but the Queen is pretty much now the only one doing virtual engagements. The official climate summit is underway, and Prince Charles, Camilla, Prince William, and Catherine are there representing the royal family. The queen wanted to be there, but she had to pull out for medical reasons and just advice to take it easy. But she did uh, send in a video speech to talk about climate change, the call for climate change, how important climate change is, and how we need to take care of the planet and really try to save things and try to reverse the effects of climate change. The Prince of Wales has given a whole assortment of speeches, has met with other heads of state and presidents in other countries. He met with President Biden and uh, other prime ministers, and he's sort of really acting as uh, what the queen would be doing right now. He's really stepping into her shoes here, which is good to see him step up to the plate. The Duke of Cambridge also had a meeting with Jeff Bezos, and one thing that's kind of ironic is he was really critical about Jeff Bezos going to uh, space with his uh, rocket and all that fun stuff and sort of exploring that way. And so now he's having a meeting about it. So who knows what those talks are about, but that's just something that's really ironic. From what is being presented to us in the media, this seems to be going well. We see that the royal family's very out and about, meeting here, meeting there, giving speeches over here. The royal family's being very active, as well as other political leaders. And again, who knows what's ha- actually happening in these conversations? Just what's being presented to us is that something is just, it's very, it's very positive. One thing that was really touching is in the Queen's speech, she did make a wonderful tribute to her husband, the late Prince Philip, and his efforts for climate change and trying to preserve the planet. And it was really nice to hear her talk about him as these weeks have been progressing and, you know, time is moving on since the death of the Duke of Edinburgh. She's in public talking about it more, which as someone myself who's experienced a death of someone who you really love, talking about them is like they're still here. So it's nice. It was a really touching tribute. And in that same speech, she also made 
really touching comments and said that she was really proud of what William and Charles were doing with climate change. And in general, it was about a four minute video. And those are some pretty touching remarks. From a sartorial standpoint, there were a lot of subtle messages being given out, especially with all the other news that's coming, uh, through the royal family and through the royal clothing. So the queen and her speech, she was in a like a forest green type color, which of course, green nature change, that's sort of the very subtle message that could be interpreted from her speech, this green that she's wearing. And I believe if my memory's correct, she was in front of a window where you could see the scenery behind her. So that's a very subtle message about green earth change, that type of stuff. We need to take care of that. That's sort of a sartorial message that could be interpreted from her clothing, but also between the four that's there. So Prince Charles, Camilla, Prince William, and Catherine, they've all been seen in various shades of blue, which blue is a royal power color within the British royal family. It's typically either red or blue that you see them in public, especially if they're in a group. And that is a way for them to just send subtle messages. Red being a very power co- powerful color, and blue is their way of showing unity. Uh, blue is a very calming color. It's to us, it's very, it's very pleasing to the eye. There's lots of scientific studies that are way beyond my intelligence level that explain why that happens. But blue is a very calming color, and the royal family uses blue as a way to show unity when they're in a group together. And there's been lots of photographs with all four of them in various shades of blue that complement each other, which is something that's very clever. So that, no, this is the new four. This is the new group that's representing the royal family out in public. And again, in these type of events, paying attention to royal fashion is very important because it sends very subtle messages, whether you pick up on it or not. And for this one, it's a color story. The queen in green, about nature, change, wanting to preserve it, that sort of nature hues, and the core four that's there being in blue. It's Those are very subtle sartorial messages that if you pick up on them and you start noticing them, you can't stop noticing them. And I will be talking about royal fashion in a future episode, but royal fashion, it's very very interesting to see how they send messages and messages are being sent right at this summit no doubt rumors have been circulating that the queen may be planning on making the duchess of cornwall an official chancellor of state right now the only chancellors are their royal highnesses the prince of wales the duke of cambridge and the duke of york and also the duke of sussex is an official chancellor of state so there's only four but people have a lot of problems with that four and i'll explain to you why so prince andrew and prince harry are now no longer doing official royal work harry left the family and is now living in america out in california and there's the big sexual assault scandal with prince andrew that he officially retired from public work within the royal family and i doubt he will ever be coming back but they're still official chancellors of state. And what does a chancellor of state do? A chancellor of state, they're very big roles. And you step in for the monarch on their behalf. You work, you very much step, literally step into the queen's shoes. You can attend privy council meetings. You can sign off on official documents on behalf of the queen. And there's a lot of stuff you can do behind the scenes on behalf of the queen. There's only two things you can't do. You can't dissolve parliament and you can't appoint or swear in a new prime minister. That is the only thing that chancellors of state can't do. But other than that, being a chancellor of state is a very big honor and it's a very big role that you have to fill. 
Right now, the only two that are officially working, both as working royals and chancellors of state, are Prince Charles and Prince William. Prince Andrew is no longer doing official royal work, and Prince Harry also not doing official royal work and living in America. Many people are feeling that they shouldn't be chancellors of state anymore and that new ones should be appointed. Yes, Prince Harry, if given the call, I have a feeling he might come back. But one of the big things about being a chancellor of state is you have to reside in the United Kingdom. And there can be, at minimum, two at any given time. There always needs to be two, at least two, in any given time. Well, rumors are beginning to circulate that maybe it's time for Camilla to step up to the plate and be given this opportunity. Typically, the only chancellors of state are the four, so the first four places in the line of succession and the spouse of the sovereign. But Prince Philip, who was a chancellor of state, has since passed away. And with Prince Andrew and Prince Harry not doing work and not acting as chancellors anymore, there's a void here that needs to be filled. And many are sensing in the wind, sensing in the tides of change, that maybe there's rumblings that Camilla will officially step up to the plate. Who knows if that will actually happen. You know, Camilla has really been proving herself in the past few years, in fact, ever since she married into the family, of doing a lot of royal work. And she's proven that she's a very valuable asset to the family right now. And whether we like it or not, she's going to be queen consort one day. And at that point, she will become a chancellor of state based on the virtue of being married to the king. Based off the queen's health and the current void and the, just the situation that things are in right now, that process might be expedited, but we can't say for certain. The big thing is that rumors are beginning to circulate that maybe the queen will be doing this. And if she does, that'll really help her job. Their Royal Highnesses Princess Eugenie and Princess Beatrice were seen attending the wedding of their Royal Highnesses Prince Philippos and Princess Nina of Greece and Denmark on October 25th in Athens, Greece. They informally represented the royal family. They weren't officially there on royal business, but they were the only British royal family members to attend. And of course, they attended with their husbands. This was a big event for Princess Beatrice because this was her first event post giving birth to Serena, her little daughter. Uh, Prince Philippos and Princess Nina, this was their third wedding. They had to <laughs> really change their plans for their wedding because of COVID, and good for them that they were able to finally have you know, a larger wedding where other European royal families could attend, because they're all in some way related to each other. Uh, Prince Philippos is the godson of Diana, Princess of Wales, and Prince Philippo's father, King Constantine III, is Prince William's godfather. So there's a readily known connection between both royal houses. But also, Princess Eugenie and Princess Beatrice are related to Prince Philippos through Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. And him, before he married into the family, was Prince Philip of Greece and Denmark. It was really nice to see Eugenie and Beatrice and their respective husbands. So it's having a moment in the spotlight. They're not working royals. They don't represent the family in any way, shape, or form. But they kind of did a little bit here. They looked nice. They looked great. They looked like they were having fun. So it was just nice to see them have a little moment in the sun, in, in, in my opinion. I think they're pretty cool. And it was nice to just let them have their moment in the sun. While not directly related, our next story, to the British royal family, but in the middle of October, the government of the Netherlands and the Dutch royal family made very big history. In an official statement, an official ruling through the uh, Parliament of the Netherlands, they have officially come to a ruling on LGBT members in the Dutch royal family. They made a ruling that said, if you are a member of the LGBT community, 
in and you are in line to the throne or you are the heir apparent to the throne that doesn't change anything you can still have claims to the throne you being a member of the lgbt community doesn't change anything you still have your place in line to the throne and this is huge the heir apparent the current princess of orange she while we don't know she's still 17 and she actually denied her government payout while she's still in school and going to university so she seems like she has a good head on her shoulders but we don't we don't know her identity and that's her business but it came up and they decided to rule on it and say you know if you're a member of the lgbt community that doesn't change anything that's fantastic and it's landmark history for the lgbt community in royal houses because there really isn't any legislation or protocol or anything pertaining to this whether you'll lose your spot to the throne do you have to abdicate it it there's no rules here and this ruling is huge and it's begun to put indirect pressure on other royal houses and other monarchies whether absolute or constitutional to rule on this and typically monarchies are still seen as very conservative but now this is a way that they're beginning to enter the 21st century in some respects so the dutch royal family and the netherlands good on you and there's pressure now very un- indirect pressure on for other royal families to rule on this and lastly in terms of kind of significant news uh prince william and Catherine will officially be attending the royal variety show on thursday november 18th the royal variety show is always really fun i really enjoy watching the highlights from the royal variety show uh but they'll be there representing the royal family and i'm excited to see that that'll be fun there have been a lot of other light fluff pieces and a lot of tabloid where stories have been misconstrued or they're not real stories at all but those are some of the bigger stories that have been happening in the month of october since you've taken time off where the climate summit's happening lgbt members in the netherlands is camilla going to become a chancellor of state and just general royal work resuming those are some of the lighter pieces but we do have some more pressing serious topics to delve into that are actually very big if you saw on twitter (laughs) uh last week you saw me sort of posting a little bit and kind of going crazy because the queen's not looking too good. The queen, is she's kind of scaring everybody. She's looking very frail. She's looking uh, very thin. She's losing weight. There's bruises you could see on her arms in some photos of her doing engagements. She's slowing down. There, I saw a few pictures where it looked like she had a lot of makeup on many sources including myself are expressing a lot of concern for the 95 year old monarch that concern grew even more when about two weeks ago she abruptly canceled her trip and sort of a little bit of royal work in northern ireland just out of the blue the queen has canceled and if you know any royal history you know that never happens the queen never cancels anything And this was followed by news that the Queen spent Wednesday, October 20th in the hospital. She spent one night in the hospital as a precautionary measure where she could get looked at. And all the reports that were coming out were saying she's tired. She's working too much. She's, you know, we love that she wants to work this much, but she's 95. You know, she's getting up there and she needs to start slowing down a little bit. And it was just a precautionary measure, but still the point's there. The Queen was in the hospital for a night. And she canceled her royal work in Ireland, which does not happen. We do know for sure that the decision to cancel the trip to Northern Ireland was not related to COVID. It wasn't a COVID issue at all. 
they've described her as, quote, exhausted after a hectic series of public events that included a reception at Windsor Castle for business executives like the technology billionaire Bill Gates. She did her best to finish strong that week, but the medical advice she is on uh, told her to take two weeks of official rest. The New York Times has reported that while she will attend Zoom meetings and do other light tasks at Windsor Castle, she will not be undertaking anything large or too strenuous. She has to stay home. She has to rest. This comes as somewhat of a little bit of a shock that she will not be attending the Festival of Remembrance on November 13th, which is a formal gala that honors soldiers and civilians who sacrificed themselves for Britain in wartime. Although she will miss the Festival of Remembrance, the palace has said that she is adamant and will be there at the National Service of Remembrance. This is a very solemn, very serious ceremony held the following day, again to remember those that have fallen, that the Queen has never missed. She has never missed anything, she has never missed that, and she's insistent that she will be there. In terms of royal work in her tenure, she's only missed two state openings of Parliament in the 60s because she was pregnant. And at that point, she was on official maternity leave. So her canceling royal work is a big deal, and it's very much her health-related. She's exhausted, she's losing weight, there's bruises on her arms, which is typical as you get older, you get more frail, and you get more fragile, and you bruise easily. There have been a lot of sources coming out that say and related to this that she is insistent that she will be at Christmas at Sandringham and she will be there come hell or high water, which is fine. You know, it's at that point she's off duty. She's, you know, still the queen, but she's, you know, spending time with her family. And a lot of sources, granted some of them more tabloid than reliable, have said that, she, you know, aides have been coming out saying she is adamant that she will still go to Christmas at Sandringham. But right now the queen is still on leave she's still on rest we have seen on the official royal family twitter and instagram videos of her doing virtual work and she looks fine and she looks like her normal self there were videos and pictures of her driving around the windsor estate and a lot of people were looking at it going is she really relaxing she's out driving she's 95 who let her still drive (laughs) who let her still drive but One other thing that's come up a little bit is everybody's now wondering, okay, why isn't she abdicating? Why isn't she abdicating to let Charles assume? Or why why is she still working so hard? She's 95. Well, the word abdication or abdicate is still not welcome in the House of Windsor. That I can only imagine if you were to walk in there and say that word, you would probably get formally escorted out. You do not speak the words abdicate or abdication to her because she directly lived through it and what it did to her father, what it did to her family. And in some ways, there's still this feeling that the abdication is what eventually led to the early death of her father because he was so underprepared for the role of sovereign. And there's still to this day a lot of resentment for the Duke of Windsor and, of course, the Duchess of Windsor as well. It's just something you don't say. So, yes, the Queen's health is very precarious right now. You know, she's... I remember seeing some photos of her doing engagements and, like, the clothes were just, like, bunched up behind her shoulders and it was so loose-fitting over her. And I'm very concerned. Uh, You know, I... You know, she she is 95. And... Just, I don't know. I'm a little anxious about her health right now. I hope she, you know, who knows? I hope she makes it to her Jubilee next year. But the Queen is still, at the time of recording, the Queen is still on official rest. She is still on official 
uh, medical leave from hard personal engagements, but she's still doing light virtual engagements at Windsor. The next big story, buckle in, is we have some updates on Prince Andrew and his sexual assault scandal. So there have been lots of updates as this has been happening on Twitter and many news sources. And one thing to note is while this the case is going to happen in America, this is not a big story in America. They We don't really see this. There's a lot of fluff pieces about how apparently Catherine is going to usurp Camilla and become queen and name herself queen. How Catherine is actually pregnant with her fourth baby now. And there's a lot of side... For some reason, this scandal is nowhere big in America, at least where I am in the world. You know, I have to kind of hunt for these stories over here where the reporters that I follow on Twitter, it's from what it appears to me, to me is it's everywhere over in England. This is something that is not really talked about in America unless you know where to look. But there's a few points to hit now with the Prince Andrew scandal. But the big sum of it, especially this update came today, is next autumn there he will have to go to some form of court hearing next autumn, which is enough time. But how do we get there? Prince Andrew's team first start, started this week, which made a lot of headlines that essentially uh, Guffrey's claims are baseless and that his team was trying to get the case thrown out of court that there's nothing to justify her claims against Prince Andrew, and while there might be a case for Epstein, there's not enough for Prince Andrew, and there this should be thrown out. The Duke of York's U.S. lawyer, Andrew Brettler, filed a motion to dismiss the civil case brought on by Virginia Roberts. Jeffrey, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, I apologize. He also asked a New York court to compel her to, quote, provide a more definitive statement of her allegations. But in strong comments, he accused the sex trafficking victim of profiting from Epstein's scandal. Mr. Brettler said, quote, for over a decade, Jeffrey has profited from her allegations against Epstein and others by selling stories and photographs to the press and entering into secret agreements to resolve her claims against her alleged abusers, including Epstein and his ex-girlfriend, Jillian Maxwell. So to begin, they're trying to discredit the victim and essentially saying, you, you do not have anything against Prince Andrew. You're issue is with Maxwell and Epstein themselves and if you do have anything against the prince you need to make it you need to, you need to present your evidence you can't just say you know ABC you have to provide evidence for ABC uh, another quote from Mr. Brettler most people could only dream of obtaining the sums of money that Jeffrey has secured herself for over the years Quote, this presents a compelling motive for Jeffrey to continue filing frivolous lawsuits against individuals such as Prince Andrew, whose sullied reputation is the only lasting collateral damage from the Epstein scandal. Prince Andrew's defense team cited a clause in a 2009 settlement between Jeffrey and Epstein in a bid to dismiss her lawsuit. The secret agreement is said to release lawyers, employees, agents, and heirs from liability in connection with Epstein's case, but Prince Andrew is claiming that it stretches to him too. Mr. Brettler said in his court filing a few days ago, quote, as part of the settlement, Virginia agreed to release Epstein and numerous other in other individuals and entities from any and all liabilities arising from their alleged misconduct. At a court hearing in September, Brettler claimed the clause, quote, absolves his client, adding that the lawsuit facing the royal was, quote, baseless, non-viable, and potentially unlawful. So in essence, what they're, how I'm interpreting that is Jeffrey's 
signed a statement, contract, whatever this official document is, saying that, okay, if anything happens, if there's any misconduct, you can't sue us. And they're saying that this extends to Prince Andrew, that, okay, yeah, this extends to him, he's in this part. But also, in some ways, the way I'm interpreting this is, okay, you're saying that this extends to you, that if any misconduct has happened, you can't sue. So in a way, are you saying that misconduct happened? Are you indirectly saying that this did happen by saying this extends to you? That's one thing that stands out to me in this, and my very light opinion, is that, okay, if you're saying that this clause extends to you, in some way, are you admitting guilt? Why are you trying so hard to say, you know, see, 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 she signed this, I'm free of all of this. Okay, if you're free of it, then that must mean that it happened, right? That's how I'm interpreting that, is okay, if you're so adamant that you want to use that clause, does this mean that it actually happened? No, that's just, just, just some, just some food for thought. Essentially, what they're trying to do, at least what they tried to do this week, is look at the victim and try to put her in a corner and go, if you have evidence, present it. Your claims are baseless because you signed ABC, and if misconduct did happen, this clause that you signed extends to Prince Andrew, and he's free. He's free, he's free, he's free, quit ruining his reputation. And ultimately, that didn't work. And just today, earlier today, there was a ruling that said that he uh, will have to go to some form of formal civil court hearing in autumn of 2022. So that case is moving. I, it does look like that no matter what, this will be casting a shadow over the Jubilee celebrations if he is to be seen or to go. That was the big drama when the Jubilee plans came out was what's Prince Andrew going to do? And I can guarantee you, his even if this does get thrown out, even if the the claims are found baseless and there isn't evidence and he's proven innocent, at this point the damage has already been done. His reputation will never recover. He will more than likely never return to royal work, and his reputation is ruined. Even if if he's found innocent, that's it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at this point. He this will follow him. And, you know, in my opinion, you know, regardless, I just, I think justice should be served here. Just because you're a royal doesn't mean you're scot-free from legal ramifications, in my opinion. So now we get to, we get to talk about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex because they keep making mistakes, in my opinion. They just keep making mistakes. So in late October, the, and also slash this week in early November, the Duchess of Sussex made a lot of headlines because she is going around writing to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, and also calling Republican senators all on behalf of maternity leave, paternity leave, paid parental leave, and all of that. Now, on surface level, that, you know, good for her, go for her. But she's not doing this as Meghan Markle. She's doing it as the Duchess of Sussex. And that is where the problem lies. She's using her royal title and the influence that that title has in order to try to influence and sway politicians in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's successful is a different story. But she's calling and writing to these politicians. The open letter was published and she, many people believe that this was a little bit of a selfish letter because she's calling on so much personal experience about raising kids. And it was a very sort of self-centered in terms of she's pulling a lot from her own personal experience. Uh, Many people say that was selfish and just her calling is doing all of this. 
is an abuse of her title because if you are a member of the British royal family, you cannot get involved in politics. You have to remain neutral. You cannot vote. You can, no matter what, you cannot get involved in politics. Well, she's actively using the Duchess of Sussex title as a political toy, and you can't do that. She legally cannot do that. Sentiments of stripping the couple's titles is now stronger than ever as Meghan continues to try to get involved in American politics, which I understand what she's trying to do, and the sentiment is there, and I understand and support the idea of paternity leave, but you can't do that. You yourself, as the Duchess of Sussex, you cannot do that. As Meghan Markle, you can. As the Duchess of Sussex, you cannot. You cannot use your position as a royal to do that. And she's doing that. And it's very justifiably so, making a lot of people angry. Additionally, Prince Harry is leading a discussion panel and headlining a panel about misinformation and internet news and that type of media. And a lot of people are saying it's ironic because now in the time between his Oprah Winfrey interview and his work until now, a lot of people have pointed out inconsistencies in his stories and inconsistencies in the statements that have been made and in some cases fabricated history especially as royal aides and royal sources have come out so many people are saying hmm, it's a little ironic and a little weird that you are talking about misinformation when in your interview there was misinformation talked about so that's one thing that people are thinking is kind of inappropriate that why is prince harry as the duke of sussex talking about misinformation when you know in some cases he has given misinformation himself I don't necessarily know how much water that claim holds, but it was all over social media a few days ago, even with some reputable sources going, why is he doing this? But the Duke of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are putting themselves back in hot water again, and who knows if it'll ever stop. So that is our royal news this past month in brief. We have the Queen's health is very precarious right now. She's on medical leave. Next year, Prince Andrew is going to a civil case hearing for his the sexual assault scandal. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex keep making missteps that are very big, and in some cases, they legally cannot do. The climate accords happening, maybe Camilla will become a chancellor of state. Those are a lot of the headlines and big stories that have been happening now. The royals in media, so we're now transitioning over to television and film. Season five of The Crown is very much underway and pictures keep getting leaked or intentionally being leaked, I'm not quite sure, but pictures from set are being featured everywhere and the season looks fantastic. The costumes and jewelry are very much spot on. Elizabeth Debicki as Princess Diana, much like Emma Corn as Princess Diana, it is shocking how much, how similar they look. It is such a close likeness. It is fantastic. The season is set to come out in November 2022, and that will be the last two seasons, season five and season six. It's looking fantastic. It's looking like it will cover... Now, this will be probably the last season that we'll have Diana. Uh, it might end with her death. I'm not quite sure. I don't know the exact timeline. I do know that the 1992 fire at Windsor Castle is being featured on it because there have been production shots of the of a castle standing in for Windsor being on fire and granted yes it's all safe and if they're using an aristocrat's or a peer's castle to be that stand-in of course it's not really on fire they're gonna go in and cgi some stuff but boy it looks terrifying it looks good it looks great the crown is one of my personal favorites so it excites me to see it 
in full swing again as the show officially comes to a close with its final two seasons. Also, uh, filming for either a new Downton Abbey film or a new season of Downton Abbey is starting up again, and they're sporadically filming over at Highclere Castle. In early October, the Countess of Carnarvon uh, has shared some behind-the-scenes photos that they're here filming, that they're doing stuff again. So Lady Carnarvon is sharing a lot. And as an aside, if you do not follow Highclere Castle on Instagram, they are fantastic. She's such a great host. At the time of recording today, the film Spencer starring Kristen Stewart is officially out. And this film, we will do an official review of it next week. I'm seeing it this weekend and I'm going to take notes and we're going to really dissect this film. But in some ways, there's two camps of people right now. One thing that the film makes readily clear is that this is fake. They even say from what reviews that I've already seen is they have a title card at the beginning of the film that essentially says this is a fantasy, this is fake, and even the writers have come out saying the scene and the this what you're seeing on film never happened. This weekend at when at Sandringham for Christmas, yes, they went to Christmas, but this specific weekend, this interpretation is nowhere based in history. This is a fic- this is a very much a fantasy using historical figures. And from what I have been told, it has a lot of dream sequences and those type of vignettes where they're trying to show on the outside what's happening on the inside, which is fine. It's their way of story, the way they're storytelling. But either people are walking in going, okay, this is a fantasy and just a dramatization of things, or people are taking it as biblical fact again, which is what happened with season four of The Crown, where people were taking a lot of things as biblical fact when it's not. This is, this film actively tells you this is fake, this is fantasy. So there's sort of those two camps where people think, wow, oh my God, this really happened. Or, okay, I understand what the movie's trying to tell us here. Though there's a larger message being being shown here. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't say for certain. But next week, we will be talking about it. We will be reviewing it. So stay tuned for that. Uh, who knows how I'll feel about it. I'm still apprehensive, mainly because... I've only ever seen Kristen Stewart in Twilight, and even now today, she's making fun of her work in Twilight, so at least she's self-aware. And lastly, in terms of media, the musical Six is completely taking Broadway by storm again. It is a rock music musical a la Rock of Ages that is all six of King Henry VIII's wives. It's like a 90-minute musical. It's only one act. At least from what I've seen, or it's there's no intermission. And the show opened just before COVID, and it was doing well on Broadway. Now it is one of the only shows open, and it is getting very good remarks. It's getting very good reviews. I've seen some numbers from it, and it looks like a fun time. It looks like it's great. It's just taking history and presenting it in such a comical way and in a fun way with music. I think it's I think it's great. I think it does a little bit better of a job with royal history than Diana the Musical does, but that's my own opinion. And if you have a chance to see it, go see it. Support your Broadway actors in Broadway musicals. Even go see Diana because, again, support them. They're, if you want to hear my thoughts on it, you can tune in a few weeks ago when I, when I do talk about it. But that is a month's worth of royal news and royal updates. So what's the moral of this story today, kids? A lot has been happening with the royal family now, especially now that, yes, COVID restrictions are still in place, but royal work is resuming, some very justified dramas happening, royal media in terms of film and television depictions are kicking back up again, royal work's resuming, I hope the queen gets better, I hope she 
gets the rest that she needs and can finish out the year strong and have a very safe and good Christmas. But that is your month in review. We are going to try to do this at least once a month. So tune in in the beginning of December where we have another news update for the royal family. Next week is our review of the film Spencer. So tune in for that as we really dissect the film. But there you are, your royal news for the month. My sources for today are The Daily Mirror, The Sun, Harper's Bazaar, The New York Times, Newsweek, news.com.au, Robert Jobson on Twitter, paidleaforall.com, the official social media accounts for The Royal Family and for Highclere Castle, royalcentral.co.uk, and playbill.com. If you made it this far, thank you for stopping by the podcast today. You're a real trooper for making it this far. If you would like to recommend topics for future episodes or let me know how I'm doing, and to improve the podcast, you can drop me an email over at britishroyalfanpod at gmail.com. Any and all suggestions are welcome. If you want to stay up to date on the podcast and any events happening within the royal family, you can head over to Twitter and follow me at fanatic underscore royal or search the podcast by name, uh, the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I post there regularly and try to interact with all of you as best I can. So head on over to Twitter. I'm much more active on Twitter, but there is an official Facebook page that I try to post on as regularly as I can. If you would like to donate to the podcast to help support it and make it the best it very can be, you can do so on PayPal or on the Anchor homepage. You can either do one-time donations or set up monthly donations, whatever fits your fancy. I know times are tough right now, but if you feel so inclined to donate, thank you. And you will get perks and other rewards to make it worth your while. Head on over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Amazon Music, and Audible to rate, review, subscribe, and share. The more you rate, review, the one, I know how to improve the podcast, and two, more people can see the show. And I would very much appreciate that. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe and stay healthy, and I will see you in the next one.